So there are two groups of people that struggle to come to Christ. Um, the first one is, is more prideful. They deny their need for a Savior. Um, this group is growing day by day, and despite the obvious creation around them, despite things that just don't make sense unless they were created, they continue to deny his existence. But the other group is in just as bad of a situation. The other group oftentimes doesn't respond to salvation because they view themselves as in, inadequate or insufficient, too bad to deserve anything good. They think that the things that they've done, the things that they've thought have been so bad that they can't be saved. Like the leper in today's account, they're too unclean to come into the camp. They, they, they're just too far gone. And I can't tell you how many times I've had people that have looked me in the eye and said, you know, Jonathan, I, if I came into your church, your church walls would fall down because I'm that bad. You just don't know what I've done, what I've thought, where I've been. And sadly, this group has chosen, the second group has chosen to believe a lie. Uh, just as bad as the first group. The first group said they didn't need a Savior. This group's too bad to have a Savior. They, they've chosen to believe that they're too far to be saved. Uh, they're, they're too unclean for Christ to ever be able to wash their sins away. There's no magic power. There's no power at all that could ever even come close to, to what they need. And this seemingly false humility is just a, a thinly veiled spit in the face of Christ and his cross and what he did. Uh, what, what, it, what it says is that Christ is not omnipotent, all-powerful. Uh, what it says is that there is a limit to the power of God and who he can save and how great that he is. And it, it views man's sin as greater than the power of the cross and the power of salvation. So today we're going to see an account regarding a man who was considered unclean. He was a man that was untouchable, literally. And, and no one was able to go around him. And actually, he was so unclean that he was to yell the words unclean if someone came anywhere near him. But despite this affliction and unclean, the uncleanness of this man, Jesus touches him and lets him know that he is willing to make him clean. And my friends, Jesus is always willing and ready to touch the unclean and make them whole. So join me as we read today's scripture, Luke 5, 12 through 16. While he was in one of the cities, there came a man full of leprosy. And when he saw Jesus, he fell on his face and begged him, Lord, if you will, you can make me clean. And Jesus stretched out his hand and touched him, saying, I will be clean. And immediately the leprosy left him. And he charged him not to tell, or to tell no one, but go and show yourself to the priest, show yourself to the priest and make an offering for your cleansing, as Moses commanded, for a proof to them. <clears throat> but now, even more, the report about him went abroad, and great crowds gathered to hear him and to be healed of their infirmities. But he would withdraw to desolate places and pray. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, it is such a blessing to be in your house. It's such a blessing to be able to worship you. It's such a blessing to be able to open up your scriptures and, and learn about you and who you are. Not who you were, but who you are, God. For you are the same yesterday and today and forever. So when we study your scriptures, when we see you on earth, we see that you are eternal. And your heart never changes. Your love, it never changes. Your grace, it never changes. And so God, as we, as we read this account of this leper, this unclean man who falls upon his face in front of you, Lord, may we know that you are the same God that will reach out and touch us. We thank you, we love you, and we praise you. Amen. 
So today we're going to see three ways that Jesus is willing to minister to sinners. And the first is Jesus is willing to heed sinners. And I'm going to reread verse 12. While he was in one of the cities, there came a man full of leprosy. And when he saw Jesus, he fell on his face and begged him, Lord, if you will, you can make me clean. So this word heed means to pay attention and consider. Uh, Jesus considers sinners. He pays attention to sinners and he can save, he came to save sinners. And here's one such unclean man who approaches Jesus. And as we mentioned, this man's sin was not any worse than anyone else's. It was just more obvious, you know, that, that, that he was afflicted by the sin of the world. It wasn't that this man was worse than the next guy over, but just some of us are afflicted by sin, the sin of the world, the sin of mankind more than others. Yes, he was a sinner as well. We all are, are sinners, but he was no more of a sinner than anyone else. But the sin of the world was just more obvious on him as he was afflicted by this condition of leprosy. And we're not told exactly where Jesus was in this gospel. In, in a parallel account in Matthew, we're told that he comes down from the mountain right before this account, the, the Sermon on the Mount in Matthew 5 through 7. So he could have been somewhere near there. Uh, and then he, he comes down and it says that he's in one of the cities in the book of Luke. And while he's in this city, this unknown city at this point, there was a man full of leprosy that came down. And this word full is the Greek word pleres, which is complete, like co covered by whatever the skin condition was, completely covered. It wasn't just a mild case. This was a severe case of leprosy. And although leprosy, this word, could be used for different types of, of skin conditions, uh, I'm convinced uh, that this probably was what we know as Hansen's disease today, true leprosy, because of the extent that it had afflicted him. Um, leprosy, or Hansen's disease, it is known today, is caused by a bacterium, Mycobacterium leprae. And this bacteria is pretty nasty. Uh, and it goes, we, we find mummies, even with the ancient Egyptians that were afflicted by this condition uh, in ancient Egypt. And it affects the nerves, the skin, the eyes, the lining of the nose. And the damage to the nerves can cause people to lose the ability to sense and feel with their hands and their feet. They can even become blind over time from this disease. Considered showing some pictures, but I know not all, all of us have the same strong stomach that I have as an ER doctor. So I figured we, went, we weren't going to go there, but if you are a medical professional like Haley and you want to look up stuff like that, then uh, uh, feel free to do that. But just know that this is a highly disfiguring disease as well. Today we now have treatment for this dreadful condition, but there was no such treatment in the time of Jesus other than Christ. So this man who's completely, fully, and severely afflicted by this horrible condition, he's hopeless. And he, what does he do? He falls on his face before Christ. And this echoes our last account that we talked about with Peter with this miraculous catch of fish. And what does Peter do whenever he sees the glory of God? He falls on his face in front of Jesus. And so we, we see this response, this uh, humble, response of humble submission to Christ from this leper. And listen to his faith. He says what? If you will. If you will, you can make me clean. He, he asserts that Jesus has the ability to cleanse him. He doesn't say, Jesus, can, can you take care of this? I know this is pretty, this is full. I'm complete, complete leprosy here. I can't, do you have the power to do this? No, he doesn't, doesn't ask that. He says, if you will, you can do it. He, he recognizes the power of Christ. And all of our prayers should be like that. The way we approach God should be that way. Not... It's like some churches that say, do this, God, because I'm in charge. That's heresy. That is false teaching. But we don't doubt the will of God. We don't doubt whether he can't, the, the ability of God. We say, God, if it is in your will, 
you will do it. And we know that. So God, we don't doubt that you can. The book of James, we see that anyone who, who doubts when they, when they pray for something, can't, they shouldn't expect to get it. You know, we, we need to believe that God can do it. But we also need to pray in the will of God. And here we go. We see this, this leper who understands that God is in control. He is sovereign. He is omnipotent. He is all-powerful. And even the impossible is possible with God. As we started at the beginning of this, Christ can save and heal anyone, and his power is unlimited. We see in uh, Hebrews 7.25, consequently, consequently, he is able to save to the uttermost those who draw near to God. How amazing. To, to the uttermost, he can completely save is what that word, the Greek word means. He completely saves those who draw near to him. And this gift of salvation is available to all of us as well. Yet this free gift must be accepted in faith and humility. As we've mentioned time and time again, repentance and humility are necessary for salvation. Uh, it's, you have to be humble and know that you need a Savior before you can truly be saved. And one cannot deny that this leper comes with faith and humility. He has said, Jesus, I know you can heal me. And I know if you will, you, if you will it to be, it will happen. Let's, re- let's move forward and see how Christ responds to this man. So he not only heeds sinners, but he is willing to heal sinners. We'll see in Verse 13, and Jesus stretched out his hand and touched him, saying, I will be clean. And what? Immediately the leprosy left him. So verse 13 starts off with something way out of left field during people, uh, with people in this time period. It says that he did what? He, he reached out and he touched this leper. Let's look at Leviticus 13, 45 through 46, and we'll see how bad leprosy was viewed. The leprous person who has the disease shall wear torn clothes and let the hair of his head hang loose and he shall cover his upper lip and cry out what? Unclean, unclean. He shall remain unclean as long as he has the disease. He is unclean. He shall live alone. His dwelling shall be outside the camp. These verses are clear that there was a boundary line for those with leprosy. They were not to come into the community. They were to wear torn clothes and yell unclean when somebody came around them. They were to live outside the camp, and they ended up eventually becoming leper colonies. They live alone, and they would kind of get in groups of people that had the same condition. We're not sure how this man got to Jesus. You know, we said that we saw that he was in one of the cities. Could he have been on the outskirts of the city at the time, coming down from the mountains, still on the outskirts? We, we're not sure, but we do know that this man approaches Jesus and falls down on his face. And Jesus' response to this man's broken humility is about as countercultural as it could be. He stretches out his hand, and he touches the untouchable. My, my friends, you may think that you are, are too bad to be saved. You are too far gone. If only everybody else knew in the past what you did in the past, they'd know that you were unsavable. It's not possible. If, if only everybody knew the thoughts that you had, uh, then they would understand why you, quote, know, end quote, that Christ could never love you because you're just too far gone. You're unclean, unlovable, and untouchable. Brothers and sisters, Pay attention to this account. Here is a man who was unclean, unlovable, and untouchable, and Jesus' response is to touch the untouchable. Jesus is not afraid to get his hands dirty, my friends. And let's look at this next quote here. He will come to you just as you are and take you where he wants you to be. He will come to you just as you are and take you where he wants you to be. This man didn't work really hard to clean himself up before he came to Jesus. He didn't try to take a bath and try to cover it up with makeup or try to, try to prepare himself to come to church. I can't tell you how many times people look at me and they're like, you know, okay, okay, Pastor John, I, I'll, I'll come to church once I quit doing this. Once I quit gambling, 
once I quit looking at pornography, once I quit, you know, cheating on my wife, once I quit doing this, then I'll come to church. Right now I can't come because I'm too dirty. You know, once I, you know, once I'm, I quit using certain language, I'll, I'll, I'll come. I'm just afraid I might say something that I shouldn't say when I go. You know, once I get it together, once I know my theology better, then I'll come. But this man comes with his uncleanness, his baggage, all the dirty, all the filth, and he falls at Jesus' feet. And what is Jesus' response to him? Is it, you better get yourself together. Don't come to me like you are right now. I'm God made flesh. Who do you think you are approaching me with your dirtiness? No, that's not, that's what we think sometimes, right? Like, that's how we think God sees us, even after we're saved. Sometimes, let's just be honest, brothers and sisters, especially in conservative churches who take the Word of God literally, sometimes we know it's not true, but we believe that lie, that when we come to God in prayer, He's like, dude, I mean, you're lucky I am going to let you in. Like, yeah, I mean, who do you think you are bringing that filth into my house, bringing that filth into my presence? But that's not how God looks at this guy. His response isn't, go clean yourself up, go take care of business, don't come to me the way you are. He reaches out and he touches the untouchable. How, how beautiful is that, my friends? And he continues to reach out to us as untouchable, even after we're, our flesh is still untouchable, even though we're made new and eternally speaking, we will be perfected and the imputed righteousness of Christ is already upon us. We still, we have this flesh and it's icky. It, it just desires bad stuff and he still reaches out and he continues to touch the untouchable, my friends. And, and the touch of Christ is amazing. The touch of Christ leads to healing. And yes, this man experienced physical healing, and sometimes God chooses to do that. But I can promise you that his touch will lead to salvation if you truly humble yourself before him and you follow him and you repent in broken humility. He is willing to save you. And just like this leprosy, how, how, how long did it take for leprosy to go away? Immediately. And in the same way, the sin that you have can be removed as far as the east is from the west immediately, just like that. Psalm 103, 12 says, As far as the east is from the west, so far does he remove our transgressions from us. How amazing is our Lord and Savior. His touch is one of compassion and love and sympathy. He understands our struggles and difficulties. No, he didn't do it. He didn't give in to sin, but he understands the struggle. As we see in Hebrews 4, 15, we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, but one who in every respect has been tempted as we are, yet was without sin. He knows how hard it is. He did it. And today we know that Christ took on the curse for us. If we fast forward, we look at Galatians 3.13. Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law by becoming what? A curse for us. For it is written, Cursed is everyone who hangs on a tree. He took our punishment. He took our curse. He became the untouchable for us. How amazing is our Heavenly Father. The wrath of God was placed upon Him instead of us if we were in Christ, and He took what we deserved and gave us His righteousness. Todd Friel, a Christian radio host and evangelist, often says the following, He took our rap sheet and gave us His righteousness. You know, we deserve prison. We deserve hell. We deserve death. And instead, He took our punishment. He took our rap sheet and he gave us his righteousness. It was all washed away. How beautiful is this understanding? So when God looks upon us, once we've placed our faith and trust in Jesus Christ, when we repented of our sins, he sees his son. He sees the righteousness of his son. He doesn't see our uncleanness. Our uncleanness and sin have been paid for by the cross and tossed as far as the east is from the west. How beautiful. 
is that if you've not placed your faith and trust in Jesus Christ, that's not true for you yet. He sees your uncleanness. But yet, despite how much uncleanness he sees, he's willing to reach out and touch you. And so I pray that if you've not placed your faith and trust in him, that you do. So Jesus is willing to heed and willing to heal, to heal, and Jesus is willing to help sinners. He's willing to help sinners. Let me read verse 14. And he charged him to, to tell no one, but go and show yourself to the priest and make an offering for your cleansing, as Moses commanded, for a proof to them. So Jesus charged this man with a really interesting command. You think, you know, I mean, this a miracle happens. This guy goes from an untouchable leper to clean, to, to not having any skin condition. And so it's debated why Jesus says, don't go tell other people. What we know is that Jesus thought to kind of slowly increase his public ministry. He didn't want to make his public ministry all about healing and casting out demons. That, those were signs that he was the Son of God, but the, the message was repentance and salvation. You know, the, the message was the sick need a physician, and they need healed of their, not only their physical conditions and their demonic things, but they needed healed of their sin. They needed to repent the kingdom of heaven was at hand. They were not the main thrust of his mission. His, his mission was to come and seek and save those who were lost, as Luke 19.10 says. Temporary healing is great, right? It's good. But eternal salvation is far greater. We also see that Jesus did not, did not come here to abolish the law, but to fulfill the law. As mentioned before, in Leviticus 13, we see uh, that the priest had a role in the diagnosis and management. They were kind of like the dermatologists of, uh, of Israel. You would come in and they would take a look and they would sometimes they would wait a week, see you again. There was quite a, uh, a, you know, an examination that would happen and they would declare you clean or unclean based on what their findings were. And they would have to pronounce you clean or unclean. And we move forward to Leviticus 14, 1 through 8. Those who were healed of leprosy, there was an offering to be made and an examination that needed to happen in a timeline for that. And so Jesus, fulfilling the law, sends the man to the priest to be declared clean and make the required offering. So Jesus came to fulfill the law and not abolish it. The law was set in place by God. Jesus is God. It's not that Jesus didn't agree with the law. Jesus is God. He was God who made the law as well. And we see in, Mo in, in Matthew 5, 17 through 18, Jesus say this, Do not think that I have come to abolish the law or the prophets, I've not come to abolish them, but to fulfill them. For truly, I say to you, until heaven and earth pass away, not an iota, not a dot, will pass from the law until all is accomplished. So some, some falsely teach that the law, none of the law applies to us today. It's all gone. You don't have to really read the Old Testament. Unhinged from it, some, I'll use the word pastor in quotes, uh, ha have said, right? And these ideas are blatantly false and, and unbiblical. One such modern pastor even went so far as to say that Christ broke the law. I mean, there's not much more false teaching than that. Jesus said the exact opposite. He came to fulfill the law. It's correct to understand that Jesus' death and crucifixion on the cross fulfilled the laws of cleansing and sacrifices. We don't have to make sacrifices anymore. And the author of Hebrews even lets us know the sacrifices of bulls and goats don't cover sin. It all looked forward to Christ, and so we don't need to do that. And praise, praise God, the the cleansing, the foods and things like that we learn in the New Testament that are clean. You can eat your bacon. It's okay. You know, praise the Lord for that. Um, so, so we see that, but, but it wasn't abolished. They were fulfilled. Those things were fulfilled. How beautiful is that? But the moral law of the Old Testament is still in place. The Ten Commandments are just as effective and just as enforced today as they were before. The laws of sexuality are just as important today as they were before. Moving forward, we see the result of this healing. 
Luke 5:15. But now even more the report about him went abroad, and great crowds gathered to hear him and to be, and to be healed of their infirmity. So Luke focuses in on the positive angle of this, you know, this, this great miracle, uh, and that great crowds are coming to, and flocking to him to hear him and to be healed. Uh, Mark, however, lets us know that this quick spread did have some negative consequences as well. Mark tells us this in Mark 1.45. But he went out and began to talk freely about it and spread the news so that Jesus could no longer openly enter a town. But he was out in desolate places and people were coming to him from every quarter. So this, the disobedience of this leper led to some, some difficulty with the, mi- with the ministry of Jesus. One can understand that the leper had a very difficult time not rejoicing, telling others, right? I mean, this guy was was dirty, was unclean, had to yell out how unclean he was. He had to grow his hair out. I mean, you know, some of us are okay with that, I guess. But but he had to grow it out really, prob- probably a li- not, li- little less cool than Chase over there. Um, you know, and, and, and he had to grow it out, and he had to cover his upper lip and just yell at unclean. Can you imagine? Like, every time somebody came, unclean, you know, just yelling that out. I mean, this guy, he went from being the unclean guy to being oh, I'm just like everybody. This is great. I can go to the temple. I can worship. I can be a part of society again. And I love what pastor and uh, theologian Warren Wiersbe once said. Jesus instructed the man not to reveal who had healed him, but, but, but the cleansed leper became an enthusiastic witness for the Lord. Jesus commands us to tell everybody, and we keep quiet. Isn't that ironic? That, that, that this man who was healed tells everybody, even though Jesus told him not to. And there's consequences disobedience we don't need to be disobedient don't learn from this that we need to be disobedient to god if you love him you'll obey his commands john 14 15 there are consequences disobedience and we see here that jesus's ministry has some has some difficulty because the flocks gather too too fast and some people probably miss out on healing they miss out on being able to hear the gospel because he has to go to different places if we're looking my friends i think the issue for us who have been healed by God, but with salvation, not necessarily physical heal. Some of us have been physically healed too. Praise the Lord for that. I think the difficulty is this leper knew how unclean he was, and it was obvious. Society let him know how unclean he was. You're not welcome here. You have to stay outside the city. You can't come to the market. You're lucky if somebody throws you some scraps. You're one of those people that are able to go to the outside edges of our fields that the law requires us to not you know, not take this last little bit of corn over here, grain, and you can have that. But don't come onto my field. You can just grab that from the outside. Don't, don't come on my property. He realized, because it was so obvious, how unclean he was. My friends, do we know how unclean we were before we were saved? Do we, do we realize that we weren't any better than that guy? That inside we were disgusting, filthy? And even today, our flesh isn't any more clean as well. And our desires, the desires of the flesh are just as bad. Do we realize the healing that we have had from death to life? And so this guy, he realized it, and he went and told everybody. He's like, wow, you know, I was here, and now I am here, and it's obvious to himself, it's obvious to everybody. Do we realize how important what Jesus did for us was? I think that really hurts our evangelism, because we don't see how dirty we were. And sometimes after we start coming to church, we start to feel pretty good about ourselves because we know the Bible. We know we can quote some scriptures. We're more sanctified, so we don't watch what we used to watch or listen to what we used to listen to, at least not very often, especially if nobody from the church is around, we won't, right? And so, so we, we kind of get this self-righteousness, like, I'm actually not that bad. I'm better than that guy, you know? Guy down the street, I mean, he, he does all kinds of bad stuff. So, 
So we start to forget just how unclean we are still and how unclean we definitely were before we were saved. My friends, if we see how unclean that we are and we see the miracle that Jesus did in our lives because he took us from hell to heaven, from death to life, and that he's washed us clean in the far as east is from the west, he's cast our sins, and we're now, the, they had the imputed righteousness of Jesus Christ in us, we can't help but tell people. How can we stay quiet about that? How amazing is that? And I pray that we are obedient and we do share the gospel with others. Yet one other thing must be understood from this encounter. So Jesus sovereignly knew that this leper would disobey his command. He knew he was going to tell people. He's, he's, this wasn't a surprise for Jesus. He was like, ah, I can't believe he's told people. Like, I told him not to. You know, this is a surprise now that all these people are coming. He knew. Jesus was willing to heal despite the cost to himself. Jesus was willing to heal despite the cost to himself. And you know what else Jesus was willing to do? Jesus was willing to come and save your soul despite the cost to himself. Jesus was willing to come and save your soul and my soul because of the cost to himself. My friends, this wasn't a surprise that Jesus was disobeyed. It's not wasn't a surprise that Jesus was crucified. He knew that we were going to sin against him. He knew even after you become a Christian, even after you have been born again, that you were going to keep blowing him, that you weren't going to be perfect that there was going to be a time before you died and were perfected with Christ that you would continue to blow it time and time again. Yet he was willing to save you anyway. How beautiful is that? If, if you have not turned to Christ, I pray that you do, that you, that you repent of your sins and you come to him. For those of you who are saved, Christ isn't surprised by your lack of perfection. He isn't surprised when you fall on your face, and you're like, I can't believe I did that again. Uh, he, he's not surprised by those things. He, he knew you were going to do that. Now, there's no excuse that. We don't, we don't use that as a grace, a license to just keep sinning. Paul's very clear. By no means. We, that means we don't understand how bad the cross was on Christ, how, how horrible our sin was for him to take the wrath of God. It was a horrible thing, and we should feel that weight for a moment and hand it over. Praise God. He takes it. We don't have to bear that weight. Christ took that weight for us. But we can come to him with boldness and confidence because of who Christ is and what he's done for us. And he's not disappointed in you. To be disappointed, you have to not know. Like, you know, if, if you're going to be disappointed in someone because they did something really bad, it's because you didn't think they were going to do that really bad thing. God doesn't get disappointed in us because he knows how bad we are. And he still saved us. And he was still willing to reach out and touch the untouchable. As we come to our last verse today, we see the intimate side of Christ with the Father. Verse 16. But he would withdraw to desolate places and pray. After seeing this amazing interaction and healing, we see that Jesus needed time with his heavenly Father. And Luke asserts that Jesus would withdraw to desolate places and pray, and the, and the imperfect use of this verb indicates that this was a regular practice of Jesus. It wasn't just something that happened once. Jesus would regularly spend time with his Father. So Jesus Christ, being fully God and fully man, needed quiet and alone time with Christ, with, with, with his Father. Jesus Christ needed that with his Father. How much more do we need that? I mean, how much more do we need that? How much more do we need that to understand the will of God? So Christ stayed plugged into his Father, so he knew the Father's will, and he walked in step with the Father. And if we want to be in the will of God, we need to be doing the same thing.
me to have regularly scheduled times. The great reformer Martin Luther once said this, I have so much to do that I shall spend the first three hours in prayer. Man, that, obviously, we, we shouldn't make a legalistic rule from this. This isn't a pharisaical thing. You need to pray three hours to start every day. That's not my, my thrust here. I know sometimes we as people, I better do that. I want to be, be cool like Martin Luther. I mean, he did some cool stuff. So I, I want to do that. No, but, but what he's saying is the more that we are responsible for, the more things that are on your plate for a day, the more you need to be sure that you are in the will of the Father. You need to realize that you are inadequate to handle the things that are coming at you that day. And you need to realize how important it is that you're there. So busyness should not drive us away from prayer, but to prayer. Let me repeat that again. Busyness should not drive us away from prayer, but to prayer. Is that how it works in your life? Or my life? Not always, right? It's, oh, I've got to do this, I've got to do this. And, and, and it, all of a sudden, when all of our sentences start starting with the word I, we've got a problem. I've got to do this, I've got to do this. I know this morning, you know, like I, it was such a blessing um, to have the, ha, you know, wasn't a blessing to be missing Adam. I, I love when Adam's here. It makes my life a lot easier. But I don't have much of a voice today, and I need to lead worship, and I need to, to, to preach as well. Um, and it was such a blessing for me to, to have that burden, because I started thinking, oh, I need to do this, I need to do this, I need to do this. Man, I just was like, God, I can't do that. <laughs> like, I, I can't hardly talk. Like, how am I supposed to do all this? And as we come to the end of the message, I, I've been able to talk the whole time, so praise the Lord, he's done that. But, I, but it really helped me to acknowledge, I have so much to do, I need to spend more time in prayer. And so I spent a lot of time in prayer this morning, and it really helped me to get my heart right, to realize, I can't, I can't do it. I can't preach God's word on my own. You know, I can't sing God's worship on my own. In our busyness, we should sense the need to pray the most. And I pray that we make God a top priority. As we come to a close, we've seen Jesus' miraculous work of healing a leper, but even more so, we've seen the application of Jesus healing sinners, meaning he pays attention to them. We've seen him heal sinners, albeit not always physically, but he is willing to forgive and save sinners. And we've seen how Jesus helps sinners despite the cost to himself. He is a friend of sinners. My friends, I pray that we've seen the kindness of our Savior today. In Romans 2-4 we see this, not knowing that God's kindness is meant to lead you to repentance. His, his mercy and his kindness. Yes, God does judge. And we talk about that time and time again. That God will send people to hell that reject him. That is very true. But it is kindness. In his loving kindness, we should be drawn toward repentance, not as a get-out-of-hell-free card. That, that's not why we come to Christ. Yes, it's a huge benefit. I'll, I'll, be, I'll be honest. It's a good perk. Going to heaven's a whole lot better. Uh, but it's His kindness when we see what He's done for us, that He has touched the untouchable. How can we not respond through appreciation and repentance and faith in Him? My, my friends, it, brothers and sisters, if you've not placed your trust and faith in Jesus Christ, you're not sure, you've got some questions about that, I would love to talk to you after the service. And if you've done so, but you haven't followed through with believer's baptism, that first commandment after putting your faith and trust in Jesus Christ, I would love to help you follow through with that. And for those of you who have been saved and baptized, I, I pray that you see the wonderful work of, that Christ has done in your life and you continue to walk in obedience and in communion with our Father. I pray that you spend time with Him in prayer regularly, that, that you realize when things get tough, that means you need to be praying more. 
Not that you need to keep doing all these different things. Our Lord is worthy of all honor and praise and glory. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, I thank you so much for your word. Thank you for this time together of worship and the word and fellowship, all of which is worshiping you. God, we worship you with everything that we do. Um, everything is an act of worship that we do. Help us to see that it's not just singing to you, not just listening to your word, not just reading the word at home or prayer, but, that, but we, worship, we need to worship you with all of our lives. Everything we do needs to bring you glory. Lord, help us to go throughout this week and be on fire for you. Help us to be willing to tell others about how you touched us when we were untouchable, about how you saved our souls when we were yet sinners, and how you continue to desire a relationship with us despite our shortcomings and our failings. <coughs> Lord God, I, we, we love you, we thank you, we praise you. But if anyone does not know you, that they do come to a saving knowledge of you, would love to talk with them about that. God, may you build your church. May you revive your church. And may your church be your bride unstained, unblemished, and protected until you come back to get her. We love you. Amen.